go to Luke 1. I'm going to set it up with a little bit of what the gospel, what uh, church tradition calls the Annunciation. I think I got that right. Which is the announcement, okay? I, I want us to set this up. Just read six verses there, and then I'm going to take you to Luke 2, to this one of my favorite stories from this season of the year about a little old man, all right? Uh, Steve Blair, can I have you read Luke 1, 26 down through 31? Okay, the announcement. Uh, basically, in, in this day, there were three kind of provinces in Palestine, okay, in uh, what you and I would know as kind of Israel. But Palestine consisted of Galilee in the north, Samaria kind of in the middle. It was interesting to me that you'd have to go through Samaria to get to Judea, which is where Jerusalem was in the south. And And by the way, they were... Uh, those who just so bitterly hated the Samaritans wouldn't walk through it. They would go around rather than going through Samaria if they were coming from the north or from the south going, going north to Galilee. It's it, it really called Palestine? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. It, we're going to call it Palestine now. But, but if you look at your Bible maps, it'll be called Palestine. Okay? What do you call it? Okay, it was the nation of Israel, but, but remember, remember that by then, okay, you had Galilee and, 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 and Judea, but the middle wasn't really considered Israel, even though part of that was the lost tribes, those 10 northern tribes. So, Dan will check that out, and he'll correct me when we get back from Christmas. Yep. Oh, I love this. I'm going to start right there in just a second. Thank you, Gloria. So, uh, here's the deal. The most unlikely, well, probably the, the second most unlikely place that the, from which the Messiah would come would be in a backwater place like Galilee. Country folks. Um, not as educated as those in the south. And yet, the angel visits this place in the north up by the Sea of Galilee in a little town called Nazareth. By the way, you can read in, in the book of Isaiah that which Matthew quotes. He will say, this was the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And, and Isaiah goes on to say, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Up there, in that unlikeliest of places. Okay, so this angel appears to her. Now, uh, Gloria, if you look at your outline, it says the six month of what? This is the sixth month. Now, in context, so if you've read the first part of Luke 1, which we won't read today, you read about the, um, the announcement and the conception of John the Baptist. Okay, that's the first several verses. Uh, and he's born to uh, Elizabeth 
and uh, Zechariah. So, uh, Gloria, the sixth month, this is the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, keep my, check my math out here, okay? Especially, ladies, you all, because you, you know about this whole nine-month thing. If I'm reading this right, that doesn't mean that John and Jesus are six months difference in age. It means they are three months difference in age. Have I, have I got that right? In this sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary becomes pregnant. Have I got that right? Yes. Th okay. Straighten me out then. I've, I've scratched my head on this all week. Sorry? So they're six months apart. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up for me. It took, it took a landman to fix that. It took an engineer to fix that. Okay. All right. So they are six months apart, but they're close in age. Yeah, Miriam. Judah in the south, or Judea. Judea. Okay, now, let's talk about then this visitation. Um... There are only two angels in the Bible that I'm aware of that are mentioned by name. One of them is a warrior by the name of Michael. And the other one, this one. His name is Gabriel. You can read about him in places like uh, in 124 when it says, um, after these days Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. She got, okay, this is part of Elizabeth's deal. Um, uh, it, it actually names... Uh, uh, in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. So it actually names Gabriel it, um, here. And he is typically, when you see him being named, he is serving as a messenger. He's serving as a messenger. Now, what you're going to recognize here is that the angel mentions, will somebody go to Psalm 132, verse 11? Psalm 132, verse 11, who will grab it? I want us to read this little bit of detail. Who's got it? Psalm 132, 11. I'm waiting for a hand. Cindy, Cindy you got it? Okay. Okay, so um, it's an important detail. The fact of a Davidic line that, that Gabriel announces in verse 27 is more than just a coincidence. It isn't, hey, by the way, Joseph is from the line of David. By the way, Mary was too, interestingly. Um, uh, it was a prerequisite. That's what goes in your line. Now listen to what a messianic portion of the psalm says about the coming Messiah. Psalm 132, verse 11. One of your own descendants will be placed on your throne. Now that's not just talking about Solomon. That's talking about the messianic line. So this is a requirement. Now, the other requirement, interesting requirement, is that's talked about here, uh, kind of implied here in verses 26 and 27 and beyond, it comes straight out of Isaiah 7, 14. Uh, Matthew also makes a connection for that one. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says that God will be with us. But it says, the virgin shall conceive and bring forth the son. Now, here's this announcement to a lady who's not married, she's engaged, betrothed, but not married, um, and she is um, um, in that condition, okay? So, 
this announcement is made. In verse 28, what Gabriel tells her is intended to be good news. The best good news. In fact, when he says to her, you're highly favored, that's the best news she's ever heard. But as you read on in the story and in his message, his announcement initially is received by her as pretty unsettling. Wouldn't it be? I, I think it would be. Uh, her mind begins to spin, don't you know, as a 15-year-old girl or whatever. Uh, what's happening here? What is God up to? Why is there a nine-foot angel in my bedroom? What in the world is God doing here? And he's, you are highly favored is all we have at this point up to verse uh, uh, 28. But then we get this message here. So verse 30 and 31, he tells her a lot. What does he tell her in verse 30, 30 and 31? By the time we get to 31, what do we know? What do we know? We know she's going to bear a son. We know that, what, is his name given here? It is, isn't it? Now what his name's going to be, there's going to be a boy, it's going to be a son. You're going to give birth to a son. God is involved in this. But notice what's not mentioned. The father. No father is implicated by verse 31. Now, as you continue, uh, that detail is going to come out. Come out. Uh, look, at, look at verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, here's where the detail comes out. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So the Father isn't mentioned until later in the announcement. By 31, we really don't know that. Now, what I want us to do is recognize here that as this part of the announcement finishes, Mary would say, What would you say? Huh? Oh. Hmm. It's a lot to process, you know? Now, I want you to fast forward with me a few verses over to chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. If I had a long chapter that I'd like to, to memorize, this is one of them. Never done it. Uh, but this would be a great chapter to memorize. Uh, so, we're going to fast forward the baby has now been born. I'm going to submit to you, and I'll, I'll kind of unpack this in a minute. It is 40 days, Jesus is 40 days old by verse uh, 33, uh, sorry, 22, okay? He's 40 years old. So from where we've been, again, uh, Steve's not here to correct my math, but I think nine months and 40 days later is what we're going to fast forward. I think I'm kind of... I goofed up on the months of gestation, but I don't think I goofed up on that. 90 months and 40 days later, uh, because Jesus would be circumcised on the eighth day, and then his mother would be impure for another um, 33 days after that. That's the law in Leviticus, okay? So it's 40, 40 days since the, boys, since the baby's been born, and they go 
Now remember, they're hanging out in, Jer in Bethlehem so far. So they make the two or three hour trip over to, uh, by foot to Jerusalem for the baby, to be, for some things to be done there that are vitally important to us. Now somebody, if you would, uh, Cindy, if I can come back to you, go to 22 and read down through 35. I want you to pause right there, and we'll get back to it in just a second. So, okay, so what's happening so far is that Mary, his mother, is considered unclean for this period of time. So she goes um, to the temple to present herself for a purification rite. So put the word purification there, Mary's purifications, while they're there. She can then return to religious life in the nation, okay? Joseph also is responsible to present this little boy as their firstborn. We read about that in verse 23, as Cindy read that. And they offer, uh, look at 224, which Cindy also read, but look at the detail. They offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. By the way, if you read, if you go back and read the law right there, uh, the law actually says you need to present a bird, like a pigeon, and a lamb. They don't do that. Why? Because there is a loophole in the law that says if you're extremely poor, you can bring two birds. That tells us a little bit about the home life into which Jesus was born. So Mary goes to be purified. So, so this ritual of purification. And Jesus is presented by his father, um, his earthly father. Uh, so there's Jesus' presentation uh, is also happening here, all right? Now, we're going to pick the story up here in verse 25. So, Cindy, go back and read 25 and 26. There's a little old man that comes up right at this minute when the baby is being presented. Okay, let me tell you some things that we can glean from there about Simeon. Okay, he was a resident of Jerusalem, but probably not for long. Probably hasn't been a lifelong thing. He's moved there to wait for what's getting ready to happen, all right? He is righteous and devout. That means he's a just man. He cares about other people, cares about the poor. But he's also um, devout, which means he's a man of prayer and faith. Now, he's in a period of waiting or anticipation and what's he waiting for? Now, he's waiting for what we're seeing here, but I've got to read to you from, it's not in your, in your um, um, outline here, but listen to the first two verses of Isaiah 40. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. He's waiting for 
that time for Israel to be comforted, consoled. I'm sorry? The consolation of Israel. It says here, he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's what it's talking about, okay? He is led, we believe, because the Bible tells us he's led by the Holy Spirit. So he listens to God. The Holy Spirit speaks to him. This is important. And he believes, number five, that he will meet the Messiah. Look at verse 26. What had God promised him? Catch this. He has been promised before he dies, he will have a personal meeting with, quote, the one. There's only one. The consolation of Israel. You're going to meet him before you die. So verse 27, is it a coincidence? Absolutely not. No, it's not a coincidence. Cindy, now if you would read 27 um, uh, down to 35. Okay, now, 40 days after the Bethlehem experience, they're still living there. They um, are fulfilling a holy obligation, and Simeon just happens to walk up, right? You remember, it says he's led by the Holy Spirit. So he's there at the right time. Now, this may not be the first time he's gone there. I don't think so. What you've got to see here as you read this is the real miracle that takes place. I remember being in a camp meeting in Winchester, Kentucky when Heather was about six months old. And there was a little old lady that was, that was just admiring her. There is no way that Rhonda would hand that baby to that little old lady because we were very protected. Now with Jake, it's like, sure, let me know when you're done. Can you imagine a crusty little man walking into this holy moment and saying, can I hold him? And he's 40 days old. What would his mom say? That's the miracle within the miracle, isn't it? And so he holds him in his arms. He may lift him up like this. And he begins to sing. And I don't know if this is a song that he's practiced or not. I tend to think it's much more... Um, much more spontaneous than that. God has done what he promised. This is a song he has waited to sing his whole life. The church this baby founds will sing Simeon's song for centuries. This is the name of the song, the Nunc Dimittis. Literally in Latin it means Nothing is left. Nothing's left. It's all been done. Isn't that wonderful? 
And he begins to sing this little song that Cindy read here. And Simeon sees God's salvation. I can go now. What does he see? He sees more than a baby. Do you catch this? Because he calls the baby salvation. You catch that in verse um, 30 and 31? Look at it again. My eyes have seen. What is his salvation? What has he seen? He's seen an infant and he calls him your salvation. This is God's salvation. He sees it. He knows he can go now. He sees a baby and a Savior. This Savior, he says, will not only be for the nation of Israel, he will not only be the consolation of Israel, but he'll be a light to the Gentiles. So you catch that? He'll be, he'll be for all. He'll be for those who are in the Jewish, the Jews. And he'll be for those who are out. That's you and me. Okay? Now, what I believe happens at that moment, the jaws of his parents drop. Wow. Because it says here, they marvel. Can I ask you? If there's any season of the year when we ought to marvel, it's over these next 10 days or so. We ought to marvel. How in the world did this happen? Wow. And so the parents marvel. Now, so my point here is, and I'll give me a couple of minutes, I'll be done. Even as a baby, Jesus offers salvation. Did you catch this? Even as a baby, Jesus offers salvation. Now, now um, um, Dr. Fossard and Paul, you're going to brand me a heretic when I'm done with the next paragraph. So the, but I began to think, is this Jesus' first convert? I don't think so. I think he is an early convert, but, but not the first, because Jesus has already changed the lives of some really smelly shepherds while he was still in the manger. He's already saved them. Whatever that month was, when John the Baptist, still in his mother's womb, met Jesus, he declared faith in him even then, before birth. By the way, if you're kind of wishy-washy in the abortion issue, let that story mess with your head just a little bit. In the womb, John professed faith in the Lord Jesus. Remember Elizabeth says, ah, my baby's hopping when you walked up. My eyes have seen the Lord. Simeon said, this is the Savior. He declared faith. He proclaimed faith in this tiny 40-day-year-old infant. The shepherds proclaimed faith. It makes you wonder if them coming from uh, keeping watch over their flocks by night said, Behold the Lamb of, the God, of God who takes away the sins of the world. But we see as 
a tiny, tiny baby, Jesus begins to change everything. But it didn't stop there. This child would offer salvation to 12 men. To 500 more, at least, before he would leave the earth 33 years later. And he offered salvation to you and to me. This is your Messiah, too. And he's my king. Tiny king, though he is right here in this story. He's my king. And he's your Messiah. And whatever you're going through this season of the year, can I tell you something? He has made a difference. He offers us eternal life. This baby offers you and me eternal life. John will say, all this has been written so that you would believe and that believing you would have life in his name. He's brought us life. So every time you look at a, at a Christmas tree or look at lighting on that tree, would you remember that this is the story of the light of the world, Jesus? This baby changed my life completely. I've said it before. I was talking to a uh, a younger man this week about his commitment. He's kind of in, you know, Jesus has him, uh, he has Jesus, but I'm not sure Jesus has him. You know that deal? And, and I, uh, it, he believes, but he's not really all in yet. In fact, we were talking about that. And I just said, we were talking about the pearl of great price and the the, the person who found a treasure in a field and sold everything he had to, to buy it. And my very Oklahoma expression of this is, I want you to know that I have bet the farm that this baby is my Savior. Is he yours? It only takes saying yes. And then your life gets really, really interesting, as it did for Mary and Joseph. Merry Christmas.